0: Today, I have set before you life and prosperity, death and doom." Moses gathered all the 12 tribes of Israel. They're in the desert. They left Egypt. They escaped the slavery. And Moses turns to them and says, today, I have set before you life and prosperity, death and doom. When he said, choose life, choose life, what did he mean? Choose life. First, choose God. If you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I enjoin on you today, loving him and walking in his ways, and keeping his commandments, statutes, and decrees, you will live and you'll grow numerous because the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to occupy. Choose life, follow God, be open to him, serve him, love him, follow the commandments. Of course, the commandments are very simple. Three belong to the Lord. Fourth one is obligation to our parents, and the rest of them is our neighbor. The six of them are dealing with us. Choose life, which means follow the path of commandments. Because if you turn away your hearts and will not listen, that's the word for disobedience. If you turn your hearts and turn away from the Lord, and would not listen. Then what happens to you? I tell you now that you will certainly perish. You will not have a long life on the land that you're crossing the Jordan to enter and occupy. I call heaven and earth today to witness against you. If you say you wish to follow me, then follow you wish to say, you are my, my Lord and my God, then the Lord will bless you. Choose life then that you and your descendants may live by loving the Lord your God, heeding his voice, and holding fast to him. For that, for that will mean life for you, a long life for you to live on the land that the Lord swore that he will give you give you to your fathers, Abraham and his descendants. It is simple in many ways. It is simple to say yes to God. But the problem is, it's not that simple when it comes to -to day-to-day life. Because if I say I choose life and I want to follow the Lord, then for us, we know what following the Lord means following Jesus, following his ways. Not just that he obeyed the commandments because he did. As a son of God, he did. But there's one more that he chose to do and as he was willing to die for us. This is why he gathered his disciples and he said to them. It wasn't to everybody else. He said to them, the son of man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders the chief priests and the scribes and be killed on the third day be raised he didn't have to die he was son of God yet he chose this is that, that commandment of love which makes all the difference so when we say to choose life is to choose the commandment of love but someone can say I, I, I can't I have a hard time accepting someone who betrayed me who cheated on me I have a hard time letting go of someone who manipulated and took away my good name, took away my, my possession, my dignity. How can I love someone? How can I forgive someone when it's so difficult because emotionally I'm so wounded, so hurt? I can't let go. I, even if I try, I just can't do it. It's one aspect of that love which is so hard, but that's why we can't do it ourselves. We can't do it. We have to say, Lord, you have to help me. You have to help me because I can't do it. But I can say, Lord, if I could, I wish, because I want to be obedient to you, I want to say yes to you. So if I, if I could, I would, but you have to help me because there's no way I can't do it myself. And God will help us. That's the whole thing, even if it takes time, even if it takes long years of prayer to let go. Choose life for us means to follow Jesus the way he did what he did, how he loved, how he cared, how he forgave, and how he embraced all the junk upon himself so that we may not suffer the consequences. We see sometimes troops in a battle, they, they, you know, they go and 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 throw themselves on a live grenade to protect their bodies. We see how sometimes the white martyrdom is manifest in the life of parents who stretch and stretch for their children or for others. This type of white martyrdom. There are five candidates for martyrdom in our own community, and. And this type of martyrdom is called martyrdom out of love for others. <coughs> martyrdom, meaning something that you do because you love the Lord so much, you don't want to abandon your faith. You love the Lord so much, you forgive your persecutors. You love the Lord so much is because you don't want to give bad example to others so they can say, look, they don't really believe. They don't think that God is real. Today we read, in a second portion of the Gospel, Jesus says to us, "'If anyone wishes to come after me, "'he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. "'For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, "'but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it.' "'What profit is there for one to gain the whole world, "'yet lose or forfeit himself?' today maybe not only today but it's part of our human existence remember thomas More and john fisher john fisher you know was the bishop thomas More was a chancellor under the king of england king henry the eighth and that's when he initiated because of the divorce he uh, kind of rebelled and created, made himself the, you know, the, the pope, so to speak, because he was the, became the, the head of the Church of England. And so he demanded from all what is called the oath of supremacy, which means that they have to accept him as, a, as the a spiritual leader. And so his chancellor, Thomas More, very faithful to the king all the way very faithful servant. And yet before he died he said something like this Yes, I am a servant to the king, but I love I serve God first. John Fisher said something similar. He said, you know, his friends were coming to him and they said to him, You know, look, you you still believe you still believe in the Lord. You may not even accept him. What's, what's the problem with saying, taking that oath of supremacy? What's the problem? And so he says to them, he says, I want you to get yourself ready. I'm going to ask you a question next time you come. Get yourself ready. I'll give you a question. If you can answer me with, you know, in a way of cogent and prudent way, then I may, I may consider so they go there, and they try to prepare themselves on a the, on the theological level, because it had to do with divorce, it had to be the privacy of Peter, and all the other things. So they kind of trained themselves as to what the problem was. And so they, were, they went to ask him, he says, he said, OK, what is your question? And he tells him, answer me. Can you tell me a good reason why I should not accept what profit is there for one to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit his own soul? And they couldn't answer him. They couldn't answer him. The reason is that there can be anything if we really believe, if we really believe that there's life after death, if we really believe that there's heaven and hell, if we really believe that God will take us home, and we'll live forever, and this life will be for all eternity. Then this particular portion of our life, whether it's 10, 15, 20, or 30, or 40 years, it shouldn't really that matter that much. But obviously, it does. We have people sometimes choose dignity. I am talking about, you know, type of dignity of, of jobs for the government who they can eliminate. They don't seem to see that, that they cannot divide themselves because, you know, you say, well, in my heart, I don't believe in abortion, I don't believe in this, I don't believe in that, but here I am a leader of a party or here I'm, you know, leader of some, some form of caucus, whatever it may be, and then they set aside. It's like a rationalization. But can we do that before God? Can we say to him, I really believed in this political type of advantage, you know? Is it something that's possible? What about, you know, in terms of of treating one another, mistreating? How many people come and complain that they were really taken to cleaners because of divorce, and they can't let go? It's very painful, because it is true. This past two days I heard from three different people not their families but fr- friends or relatives of their families three young people committed suicide teenagers early 20s why why we have emptied their lives because there's no more God there's no more values there's no more virtues. There's nothing to live for. Yes, they may be depressed. Obviously, part of that is depression. But why is it? Why is there so much depression now? Why? Is it because, you know, the aftermath of pandemic? Or is it something else? Or is it because they experiment with life so quickly, so early, and they are not mature, to know what love is they're not mature what life is, and they don't see any importance of in anything and what are they just hearing? they you know from schools and people you don't know who you are. maybe you should choose to change sex, maybe you should change, change gender, maybe you'll be happy. Well the happiness doesn't come from externals it comes from the heart, which means there's no much not much of love that's given to us because we somehow we're not really listening we're not really open to grace because if somebody falls in love with God there's excitement there's a joy there's a fulfillment but that means that many have not really been exposed or perhaps they have already been so broken by life so early maybe abused we do not know who knows? Because you know, many people are very sensitive. This is why the Lord says to us: Choose life. Choose life. Help one another. Be there for one another. Don't let them alone. If they are so depressed, so down, be there for them. Stretch yourself. Many people today, just because they are constantly, you know, exposed to the, you know, to the, you know, to the uh, digital world. It's not real, it doesn't fulfill. It may grab your attention but leaves you empty at the end because it's only human contact, human personal contact that makes, makes a difference because this is who we are as people, this is how God made us. We're made for communion. Communio personarum, John Paul would say, communion of persons. When you enter so deeply into the presence of another and you feel and you see and understand, what else can we do? Choose life, choose life. Choose the sacraments that give life. Choose penance, sacrament of penance, confession. That's part of choosing life. Choose sacrament of of marriage. People live, more. people live together right now without marriage and after, I, I hear this after, 12 years of being together, living out this life, the young lady in her early 30s is so depressed because the young man says, I don't believe in marriage. I don't believe in commitment. He may not, but she secretly does, and she can't do it. Choose life, choose sacraments, penance, sacrament of marriage. Choose also sacraments of confirmation. How many young people are there who have not been confirmed? Because no one, they themselves say, well, you know, it's nothing. So they kind of go along and they don't receive that fullness of the Holy Spirit that could transform their life. Or even if they were to be Protestant brothers and sisters, the old Pentecostals, they are praying over, wishing to, to have that, holy spirit come down upon them you know we have that that beautiful you know it's two weeks now going on in the in the college chapel uh, praying and praying continuously 24 hours a day asking the holy spirit to come upon them that is the gift no one who asks the holy spirit to come upon them will be untended Choose sacraments. Choose prayer. Choose the Eucharist. There's more and more Catholics and who are, who are not nourished by the by God's presence. They're not. So what do we do? Do we encourage them? We have a year here at the at the diocese. There's a special on the 4th of March. We have a special um, Eucharistic Congress here. Uh, come to know who Jesus is in the Eucharist. Choose life, that means choose the Eucharist. Choose life also means that we truly grasp the meaning and significance of the priesthood. It's a sacrament of orders. Are there priests who don't feel completely what God has done for them? Yes, they are. Are they religious? We don't seem to appreciate because they are more involved with social social dimensions, and and they will become weak rather than strong. Today we honor Polycarp. I've always I've heard when I was studying, um, Old Church Slavonic, and there was a lot of examples of translation of Saint Polycarp. Saint Polycarp was from Smyrna, you know, the old Black Sea area. And he is the first generation of, of, uh, of Christians who learned their faith from, from the apostles. So he knew most likely St. John. He knew most likely uh, perhaps even others. But the fact is that he was so much on fire with the law of the Lord. And, and so uh, he wanted to make sure that he is in sync in his area with the, with the Bishop of Rome, wanted to find out so that they will celebrate Easter together. They'll be on the same day, because you know it's based on, it's a lunar calendar, and he was wanting to do so. So he goes, and he wants to consult, and he goes to Rome, to um, the Pope Onesitius, and, and then he gets, gets himself into trouble, because he's a Christian during the persecution, and, and then he dies. And yet, he's the one who wrote so much. We have probably most of the writings right now from the apostolic fathers, meaning the, those who, were, uh, who, were, um, uh, who were, learned their faith through the apostles. He wrote, we can see how they understood their faith. And we see, see that, that type of zeal in them, that love for Christ, love for people, love for the celebrations, love for the Eucharist, love for Easter. He knew St. Ignatius of Antioch. He's another one of those apostolic fathers. As you know, Clement. These are the people who learned their faith through the apostles. But what did they do? They wanted to live their faith more and more fully because they fell in love with God. They fell in love with Christ. They fell in love with this, with this code of holiness, his commandments. So this is why today, we're invited, today is Thursday after Ash Wednesday, to the second day of the 40-day journey. The Lord is inviting us here. Yesterday, remember, prayer, almsgiving, and fasting, the three ways of entering into this sort of virtuous life as Christians. Today, the second day, what we we're asked to do is choose, choose God. Yes, in order for us to do fasting and prayer and almsgiving, These are ways of overcoming sin. But the the most important one is we have to choose him so that we may open ourselves to the grace. Beautiful readings. And finally today, Jesus' words, take your cross upon your shoulders and learn from me, for I'm meek and humble in heart. If you carry the cross behind me, you'll experience resurrection. Because that's what ultimately the Lord is asking us. Choose life is that life that goes beyond the grave. Choose life that we enter into the presence of God, in that mystical presence, in that mystical communion of love of the Holy Trinity, whereby we become part of the divine plan, divine grace, divine love, divine life. We are partakers of divinity by hearing, by the gift of the Holy Spirit. But above all, we're divinized by the Eucharist, by Jesus truly alive, truly present. We're divinized, we believe this. I know God will help us because we have many things to do. We have many things to overcome, the brokenness, human brokenness, sinfulness, wounds that we have sustained. But there's nothing that God cannot fix. There's nothing that God cannot heal. Ultimately, he wants us to be his sons and daughters according to, this, to the pattern of His Son, Divine Son.
1: Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org.